Hi, and thank you for listening to Next Level Medical Assisting. Uh, This podcast is all about medical assisting and how we can be better, more efficient, and more patient-oriented. It will be positive and supportive, bringing together medical assistants and other clinical staff to be able to lightheartedly discuss medical assisting and related areas while exchanging ideas for how to be a better MA, such as compassion, detail-orientedness, staying professional, avoiding complacency, etc. There will be no politics or controversial topics here. Now for the legal stuff, the views and opinions stored and shared in this podcast are my own and are not endorsed by or representative of my employer. In addition, I am not a licensed medical professional approved to give medical advice. The information in this podcast is not in any way intended to be medical advice. Always seek the help of your physician or another qualified medical professional for any medical questions or concerns. Thank you for listening and welcome back to Next Level Medical Assisting. I'm Zach, your host, and this is Season 1, Episode 5, Adult Immunizations and Injections. I appreciate everybody listening here. I know it's uh, you know, just getting started, and I appreciate the people that are, the audience that are coming back and hearing it out. Um, and I totally understand that not every single topic or episode will apply to every single person. And so, and that's okay. So whatever people listen to is, is, is whatever they choose to listen to, whatever they can get from it is is really the, the goal here. So thank you again for listening. So regarding injections and immunizations, we're going to focus on adults uh, for this episode. And uh, it might be a little longer episode here. I'm just going to um, kind of go over the the, the five R's and, and, you know, the steps for doing this and, and maybe some tips for, you know, calming patients. And so we all learn how to give medication injections, uh, including immunizations in MA school. Uh, but when we start administering them to patients in the real world, even though the process is, uh, is the same, it is still a huge jump, or at least it feels like a huge jump because you're doing it, you know, on a patient and, and as opposed to in a classroom. Um, in school, when we practice, it's, it still causes anxiety, but, but knowing that we are all learning together helps ease the mind. Or at least the person you are administering the vax, the injection to is fully aware that it's still a learning process for you. That's no secret. You're usually all students or they may or may not be a, a teacher or a student elsewhere or somebody familiar with the idea. So when, when giving injections to actual patients in a clinic, it, it's a it's a different approach, or it can be. It can, it's definitely a different uh, feeling. And so, if you're if you're lucky enough to be able to give injections at your externship, which some people are, some people aren't. I unfortunately was not, and so my first time giving one outside of school was on an actual uh, patient on the job. I was just sort of you know I had people to ask, but uh, more or less it was just assumed I kind of um, was comfortable with that. Uh, so I kind of did the whole um, fake it till you make it thing, and I think I did really well actually. Um, so I didn't have that uh, that benefit of being able to do them in the in the externship. Uh, and if you do, there you will have that uh, the 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 preceptor with you usually, and the, the patient is is aware that you are still new to giving shots, and and they. Uh, will have the opportunity to decline the student and have the preceptor give the, the injection instead, which is entirely their right. And, it, you know, in my opinion, a good preceptor will actually ask the patient when the student is outside of the room, just so they don't feel any pressure to feel obligated to say yes. And mo- in my experience, also, most people are willing to do that. If they're not, that's that's okay. That's their right. So, and once you're officially graduated and working at a clinic, there's more pressure because you're no longer a student uh, and most likely won't have somebody with you while administering the injection, whatever it may be. 
which could possibly be your first time doing so outside of school, such as it was for me. You're now in a situation where you're still very new to giving injections, but you're no longer a student and have to walk a fine line of trying not to look nervous while trying to remember what you were taught in school. By no means should we lie to the patient, uh, but there's less of an obligation to let the patient know you're new to it because you're officially certified and qualified to give the injection. Um, you're just lacking in that experience. And the fun part is always when patients ask how much experience you have to not lie, but not be brutally honest and, uh, you know, let them know I've been trained for this or whatever it is, maybe maybe a little bit of humor, uh, but definitely, definitely don't lie. Uh, but, but uh, you know, build that trust with them and, and communicate with them. So <clears throat> we all learn the five rights to medication administration. Uh, there's the right patient, the right drug, right dose, right route, and the right time. But it can be very easy to forget or get confused when you're having so many new experiences and learning a new EMR system um, and learning a whole bunch of, of new other, other new things when you're just getting into the field. And you can get distracted and very easily make a mistake. <clears throat> One step we can take to help mitigate the chance of us making an error is to print the order and bring it with us to wherever we are prepping the medication so we can confirm the five R's at the point of preparation as well as at the point of administration when we bring it with us to the room. It's not uncommon to feel pressured when preparing or giving a medication or an injection, so it's, it's extra important to take those steps to stop and verify and check the five R's because usually it's not the only thing going on and you feel pressure, maybe the patient's in a rush, maybe the provider's busy, maybe there's patients waiting, maybe your coworkers need something. And of course, if you have coworkers that are gonna help you, you absolutely should. Uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is you will feel pressure at some point doing so. And it's just important to not, uh, not let it get to you. And if somebody doesn't have the time to wait for you to do it safely, then they don't have the time to wait. And really it's just that simple. Um, and so I know it sounds very black and white, but we should never compromise on, on patient safety, uh, no matter how repetitive it may seem. And so those steps are there for a reason and they're very important for, for the patient safety and, and to keep us from, from making mistakes. Um, and as I spoke about in a previous episode, sometimes we get too comfortable and kind of just, uh, you know, miss those steps because we're kind of on, just on auto mode. <clears throat> now, let's review the five R's and the importance of each one. So the right patient seems to be obvious and common sense, uh, but I can tell you from experience that when you're distracted or busy, it is very easy to give the medication to the wrong patient. Uh, maybe the patient that was waiting for you to return was moved to a different room while you were preparing and it, it was somebody else's patient and you hadn't previously met them um, prior to you drawing up the, uh, the medication. So when you go in, if you forget to verify the name, you know, it's actually, I've seen it happen several times and it shouldn't, but I've seen it happen. Uh, maybe you're very busy <clears throat> and multitasking and have several medications prepped and you give the wrong medication to the, to the, to the wrong patient or to a patient. Ideally, we wouldn't be preparing and administering medications for more than one patient at the same time. That's really kind of just asking for trouble. Uh, but does it happen, you know, say maybe immunizations for two kids in the same family in the same room. It does, it does happen. And you know, you, you're trying to be efficient at the same time. And so that stop and you know, verify name, date of birth, right vaccines, right medication, right dose, even with the patient again, in there is very important, even more important for that reason. Um, 
I always try to stop just prior to giving the medication and, and verbally confirm with the patient. You are, you know, insert their name and date of birth and you're getting in the name of the medication today as a question and let them respond. If they have questions, they can ask them. They can tell me yes, they can tell me whatever. And then if they're not sure or something, then we go from there. But it, it sort of um, puts the ball in their court to say, okay, you know, this is, this is, this is you, this is what's happening. And they are on the same page. So the next, <clears throat> excuse me, the next one to be the right drug. This is extremely important for obvious reasons, but if you're not focused, it is not difficult to prepare the wrong medication and not catch it until after you have administered it. This is also where similar sounding medications known as sound alike, look alike drugs come into play. Uh, there is another situation when repetition can become a downfall. For example, if we are used to administering a very common medication regularly ordered, but one day a provider orders something that sounds alike or looks alike, but what we are used, excuse me, to what we are used to giving, but it's actually something else. Uh, some examples of this could be uh, PPSV23, um, when a, uh, giving a PPSV23 when a PCV13 was given or, or ordered, excuse me, or vice versa, uh, or say mixing ceftriaxone with lidocaine with epinephrine instead of without epinephrine, which really is, is you know, no error is good, but that right there, you could be asking for some real trouble. And so it's just a, it's just a good point. And most of these things that I'm mentioning here, I've seen happen at some point, whether or not they were administered to the patient uh, is another thing, but I've, I've seen them happen. Um, luckily, no serious harm has come to anybody, but these are, I know it sounds listening to some of these like, wow, how would somebody do that? But I assure you, I've seen almost all, if not all of these in person happen. So they can happen and they do happen. And so the next one to be the right dose, uh, the critical factor, um, this critical factor is even easier to make a mistake on because the name will be the same, but the dose can vary. I'm not sure of the state laws on this uh, as far as here or other companies, but some companies will require a provider or uh, an RN slash LPN to sign off on a partial dose or a combination of more than one medication to ensure accurate uh, calculations were done. Um, correct. So the risk of giving this a risk of giving the wrong dose increases significantly uh, when you're when you're combining or, or or measuring out doses. There's a lot more room for error, and so it just allows us to have somebody who, you know, is if they need to do the calculation, they can do it there and and, and do it for us and tell us that yes, we're right or or we're wrong. <clears throat> uh, the next one is the right route. So I will be the first to admit I have come very close to making this mistake at least once. Uh, what caught it was having somebody co-sign for me and confirming the information. Um, it was a medication that is commonly given orally and I just assumed it was oral at that time, but it was pointed out to me that the order was for parenteral or IM injection. Uh, really opened my eyes to the potential for this type of mistake and, and I try to be extra cautious now. I really felt like, wow, I shouldn't have made that mistake. I, I did that whole, I was just too comfortable, just went, saw the name, just went through, was going to give it. Uh, and I was getting a sign off and the provider caught the caught the error and, and pointed it out to me. And it was entirely my mistake. I should have caught it prior to that, but the system worked. The provider caught the error before I administered it. <clears throat> and so uh, this can also include whether an injection is IM or SQ or medication is IV. You know, there's also um, intradermal, excuse me, which is for the most part, at least for MAs, is, is tuberculin. But nonetheless, you know, there's there's different types of injections and it's 
they all have directions on how they're supposed to be administered and where they're supposed to be administered. And it's important that we abide by those. Sometimes it's a minor mistake. Sometimes it's a big one. But nonetheless, they're, nonetheless, they're all mistakes and errors. And we should do our best to avoid them. Even for IM injections, some medications need to go deep into a large muscle, such as the hip or the backside or the thigh, while others are okay with going in the deltoid, which you know is also a muscle for IM, but it's a smaller muscle. It's not as big and it can't take as much fluid. And if something is too thick or has a different formulation, it's not ideal to put it there. So, and lastly, the right time. So this may not always seem applicable to an outpatient clinic, uh, but this can encompass everything from whether a vaccine dose is in the correct time frame for the dosing schedule to the administration um, of, an, say, a nebulizer treatment to a pre or post a chest x-ray or not administering, uh, you know, be sure not to administering an empirical antibiotic prior to collecting a uh, needed specimen that you won't be able to get uh, afterwards if it's contaminated after you give them the antibiotic. And the specimen is usually needed to confirm the diagnoses. And so that's particularly important. Uh, and so once you give that medication, it's, it's, it makes it much more difficult, if not impossible, to do that. Again, I've, I've seen these things happen. Um, it could also include giving uh, an ongoing medication at the correct interval, such as a Depo-Provera injection, which is supposed to be given on the, the sort of the rolling schedule, the Depo, the Depo calendar you can find online. It's roughly every three months, but there's very specific time frames and there's usually protocols for what to do if you're outside of those time frames. Your company likely will have a protocol for that, whether it's a pregnancy test or, or having them see a provider or whatever it may be. But it's another good example of how time can factor in and the time frame of when you're giving a medication, you know, how it can be important. So that's sort of those, those are the, the five R's and they're just, it was just a good way to point out, you know, why each one is important. Uh, and I know, you know, I've been out of school for 14 years and I don't really hear a lot about the five R's anymore in the, in the field. Um, but it's important not to forget about them because they are, they are um, critical in, in not making mistakes and, and, you know, giving the, the best care we can. So after you confirm the necessary information, you get to administer uh, the injection or medication. And so to this day, I still remember my first couple times giving a vaccine or an injection outside of school. I briefly mentioned it earlier, I was very nervous and had all kinds of thoughts running through my head. At the time, the concerns were real, but exaggerated. Uh, and now with experience, I understand that risks do exist. But that's why we have a policy in place to follow, uh, to minimize the chance of a mistake. Um, also, that as a, as a serious mistake, it's not common for an MA to make a mistake that is going to cause permanent damage or serious harm, although it can happen. But I think sometimes the fear that what you're going to do is going to be a, you know, very severe permanent to the patient can stop a lot of MAs from trying to learn new things or try new things or be very anxious about it. And a little fear is good and you should be very aware of the mistakes you can make and, and do your best to avoid them. Um, but, you know, for the most part, a, lo a lot of the stuff that we do, uh, you know, we don't want to make errors by any means, but a lot of stuff that we do is not necessarily um, critical. And, and, and if we were, were to make a slight error, it wouldn't, uh, it could be serious harm, but uh, in a lot of things we do, it's not necessarily. And so it's just important to remember that I, I, I thought for sure I was going to permanently harm somebody or, or something like that. And in hindsight, it's, it's kind of funny to think about, but you know, it kept me on my toes uh, to, to, to think like that.
Another component uh, of the ejection process is making the experience as least traumatic as possible for the patient. This is usually done so by distracting the patient and helping them feel comfortable. Uh, when you first start giving shots, you're usually struggling to keep yourself comfortable and the patient's comfort may be considered secondary. Uh, it can be really easy to get lost in that. You know, in my experience, this is normal and it's justified because the patient's safety should come before comfort, even though both are important. If you have to choose, their safety should come first and you not making a mistake is the most important. And being able to make them comfortable hopefully will come along along the way as you get more comfortable, uh, you'll be able to make them more comfortable. Uh, a favorite way of mine to distract my patients, whether child or adult, is by asking them if they want to tell a story or if they would like me to tell them one. Even while they're contemplating that initial question, I still am preparing the medication. You know, if it's a, sometimes if they appear really distracted or trying to think about it, you could tell they're stuck on thinking about what I'm about to do, uh, but they're also trying to give the answer. And so if that's the case and they're in the middle of like stuck in this thought, I, I will I, a lot of times just end up going in and giving the injection while they're doing that because obviously they're, they're it's going to be hard to get them out of that train of thought and they're already probably as distracted as they're going to be. Uh, and, and you know, I honestly more often, 99% of the time in my experience, it works very well. And most patients, you know, they, they uh, are grateful for how, for how it goes. And so if they do ask me to tell a story, I like to default to telling them about my animals at home. I have a couple animals, a dog, a cat, two rabbits. For the most part, animals are very universally comforting and they can likely relate to that. Uh, or at the very least, you know, people just like animals in general. Um, and it could be a funny story or anything like that. And honestly, it doesn't even need to be true. Or it doesn't even need to make any sense. It just needs to get them thinking for a second and get a little distracted. And so the, the idea, what I, what I tell patients too, is that, you know, the, the injections themselves, for the most part, the, the pain is minimal, uh, but the fear is real. So the fear in their head, you know, I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but I have something I've just learned over the years that, you know, and for myself, the, the, what's in your head is really what you're scared of most. And, and I've proven this repeatedly, and a lot of people have when they give injections because the patients will turn and say, oh, we're done already, or was that it? Uh, because in their head, it's so much worse than it actually going to be. So if you can get that distracted from them, uh, a lot of times they won't even notice when it's done. And so uh, if I am giving more than one injection, I will prep them so there is at least, excuse me, so as there is as little delay between each shot as possible. So it goes smooth. I will I will briefly just confirm and ensure, ensure with the patient that they agree which with which site I will be using which one's on and in what order, um, or, you know, if the, the sites are okay and, 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 and that they're okay with where the, the shots are going to be given. Um, it's just important. So there's no surprises. So they know what to expect. And so you're all on the same page. It does force them to think about what you're going to do briefly, uh, but it's important. So there's no surprises. So they know what's going to happen, even though they're not necessarily thinking about it, or hopefully not, at least they understand the process of what's going to happen. Uh, with that said, if you need to stop at any time to ensure safety, you absolutely should. So, I mean, I've seen everything and I'll be honest, I've even done this myself. I've dropped vaccines on the floor that I've had to obviously discard and drop another one. I had to stop the whole process to go get it. You know, there could be kids sometimes. Um, if something happens, you know, if there's a bad reaction, if, you know, somebody's freaking out unexpectedly, maybe the parents or 
or whatever. If something happens and you have to stop for, for the safety, absolutely, that's the right thing to do for sure. And then you can just address whatever needs to be done beyond that, either after things settle down or you get it figured out, or they could come back another day. You could check with the provider and see where to go from there. So, <clears throat> so one thing you never want to do uh, is make promises or guarantees you can't personally keep. Uh, and definitely do not lie to patients, like I said before, about what to expect. So the thing about promises and guarantees, this is for me, this is a big one. You know, a lot of a lot of companies will make a lot of promises and, and for the most part, they, they mean well by them and they, they do their part to uphold them. You know, what I've found is that if I'm going to, I found it to be better to be honest up front with somebody and let them know, you know, I want to do this for you. I'm going to help you. Uh, but you know, it's not, it's not entirely in my hands here. And so I apologize if it, you know, doesn't work out as planned. Um, but if I can do it, if it's something that I can do, say, um, let's say if, if it's a matter of somebody needs to come back to get something done and I know I'm going to be there that day, I will just, you know, I'll tell them, you know, come in, I'll be here, tell the front desk, I'm expecting you no matter, no matter how busy I am, no matter what, I will, I will take care of you. And that's a guarantee that I can keep. And so that's something, those are the kind of things that I do. But if I can't keep it, I'm just upfront with people and, 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 you know, they tend to understand. And so in the sense of giving it medications for this, you know, if they're, uh, I'll, I'll make an assurances if I can keep them, but if not, I just try to keep them distracted and, and, uh, you know, sometimes just be as honest as possible with them. So it, it doesn't mean you don't want to lie to the patients about what to expect. Although it doesn't mean you shouldn't filter the information or say it with tact, but if a, a patient asks if something is going to be painful, be honest with them, uh, allow them to ask questions and reassure them about why the medication is necessary. Now, you know, if when next week we're gonna talk about children, <clears throat> vaccines, and so with kids, <clears throat> obviously you gotta use a little more finesse uh, and you're talking to the parents and you know we're not trying to we're not trying to fear monger here um, but we're not trying to lie either so it's just i just try to let patients know what other patients have reported to me you know it can feel this way or that way or it might make you you know it might have a little bit of a bite to it um but i just try to be real about it so they know that i'm not going to lie to them number one so you know they know if it hurts a little bit um, and then if i tell them that it doesn't hurt then they know that it's not going to hurt <clears throat> they know to believe me and so, and obviously to explain to them why it's necessary, you would think the provider would have done that already and they probably have, uh, but it's, you know, it, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise to any MAs out there that you tell patients one thing and five minutes later it's gone. Uh, and that's, you know, that happens to me too as a patient, you know, the provider comes in and tells me something and then they leave and I just, I'm, the MA comes in and I'm just like totally lost. Like what happened? Where are we now? I just totally forgot everything when in one ear and out the other. So it's a good idea to review that. Why is it necessary? You know, what's the importance of this medication? Why are you getting this medication? You know, you're not, you're not giving medical advice. Uh, you want to be careful not to go too in depth if you don't have that knowledge about it, but just roughly, you know, this is why they, this is the diagnosis they're using it for. And here's the plan. And lastly, once you give the shot, you should activate the safety if it has one, which hopefully it will, whether it's on the syringe itself or on the needle, and then immediately put it into a sharps container prior to administering any subsequent injections. Does this happen as often as it should? Probably not. Um, you know, myself even, it's very common to just set the, the, the with the safety pole on the, uh, the syringe on the counter away from the patients. 
sometimes it's necessary to remember which which site you put it into um, say mark them on a paper towel or something but for the most part we should be trying very hard to put those into the sharps container right away if, if we can do it safely so we're not having to like reach over any patients or anybody else and do that uh, and again it's also important to keep record of which medication was administered in which site for when you go to document and that you know again that can be done depending on how many you're giving or where you can write that on it you can write paper towel like a site on a paper towel and put the used um, the guard um, activated syringes you know on those paper towels to remember obviously your syringes should be labeled always label your syringes even if it's one vaccine if it's not pre-drawn always write on it even if it's just one and so they should be labeled you can put them there and so you know which site you gave it to um which you know but in in general so you do want to try to get them in this sharps box as fast as possible but also you want to make sure you know what site you have administered each medic each vaccine or medication for obvious reasons such as if they have an allergic reaction which one was administered in that site uh, when it comes to documenting it may seem convenient or appropriate to set aside the information uh, and document this later uh, I can tell you this is not recommended and is not best practice okay does it happen in the real world yes unfortunately it does you know, when the, we get in there and we get so busy and we do this and we do that, but it really shouldn't be done because human beings forget things. We forget to document. We might forget details about it. Uh, and then somebody comes down the line and there's a medication or an, or an immunization missing from their, their record that they got administered. And that's a problem. So it's just, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the same thing. If you don't have time to document it correctly right away, then you just don't have time to do it because it's, it's part of the process. Not only is the day of the admin important, the accurate time and timely documentation of the administration is important as well. And it's very easy to forget to document later. Like I was saying, we're all human, we forget things. The two to five minutes it takes to document prior to going on to the next thing is absolutely worth it and will prevent errors or mistakes or lapses in care. And so in closing here, anybody can, anybody can poke somebody with a needle but it takes focus and skill to do it safely, efficiently, and to cause the least amount of distress to the patient. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, I say that kind of facetiously. Uh, I mean, we're, we're trained, we definitely have a skill and a talent that we've been shown and, and we learn over time to sort of hone it down. But really anybody could grab a needle and poke somebody, whether or not it would hurt or be done properly is another thing, but anybody could do it. So, you know, we're using our skills to do it correctly, safely, uh, and do our best, at least ultimately, to calm the patient down and, and not, or keep it as, as little of a traumatic experience as possible. Um, hopefully not, not traumatic at all. So there's, there's definitely a learning curve to it. And as with a lot of things, the more you do it, the more comfortable you will become uh, with, with administering medications and injections, vaccines, whatnot. And so, you know, I, again, I, you know, to go back when I first started, I was basically terrified in my head of what I was going to do. But not long after that, I ended up actually being in charge of the, um, the children's vaccine program in the state. We have a program for that. And I was in charge of it at the time where I worked. Um, and so pretty soon I became very comfortable and very educated about vaccines. Uh, and, and it, you know, it wasn't long before I, I felt comfortable in that, in that spot. So just, just over time giving so many. 
And so next week we'll be talking about pediatric adolescent immunizations and tips for how to approach patients of different ages and different personalities. Again, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a child psych at all. Uh, I don't have a degree in psychology. I'm just talking from my experiences <clears throat> administering injections and medications to kids. Um, and a lot of the stuff, as I say in my disclaimer, that you know the things I say here may or may not differ from what your company recommends requires. So please, you know, check with them if you're going to take any advice from here. See if it if it's okay to apply it where you work. Um, and and kids, you know, kids vaccines. As, as I was saying, I was in charge of the um, what's called vaccine for children program, uh, and it taught me a lot. And and now I I pride myself on being able to make the experience. Um, not a bad one or as, or as little as little traumatic as possible for, for kids. I think that's a real talent and skill to have uh, and I really enjoy doing it. So I'm excited to talk about that next week uh, on the episode here. I, for obvious reasons, I won't go in detail into the five R's and all that stuff since we did it in this one, but I'll just summarize it briefly. And yeah, so thank you for coming back and taking the time to listen to Next Level Medical Assisting with me, Zach, your host. And I will, uh, I will see you next week when we talk about uh, Season 1, Episode 6, Immunizations for um, Pediatrics and Adolescents. Thank you.